Hello and welcome to this episode of The Cell Phone Junkie. My name is Mickey Papillon and we're up to show number five. This episode of the show is sponsored by, well, me, which leads me to my first comment. I'm actually looking for a sponsor. You know, I do this show every week to help others and for my love of the mobile phone industry. Uh, I did get a call for a, uh, sorry, a listener comment that asked that I start looking for someone to sponsor the podcast. So I just wanted to put this out. If there are any companies out there that find the audience that listens to this show would be a good demographic to advertise to, go ahead and send me an email at thecellphonejunkie at gmail.com and we can talk about getting your word out to the listeners of the show. Next, I wanted to ask if there's anyone out there that has any sort of talent in music. And I have absolutely no talents in this sector, as you can tell by my 11 seconds of intro music at the beginning and end of the show. So if you'd like to take some time to mix some music together for the intro and the editing and the ending, let me know. I'd love to hear some ideas and if you're interested at all. Um, I've got a, uh, a buddy of mine named Eric from over at wirelessadvisor.com who is working with me to create a logo for the show. And I'm hoping by the next time that this show comes out, I'll have something um, that will show up on your iPod or Windows Media Player screen when you listen to this show uh, that will have uh, what I consider to be an appropriate logo for the show. Uh, moving on into some news. Uh, Verizon Wireless. Verizon Wireless, everyone knows, has got the high-speed, quote-unquote, broadband access uh, service on their EVDO network. And uh, a story came out this week from consumeraffairs.com. And uh, when customers um, use the service, the Verizon Unlimited Wireless Broadband Service, they expect it to be a broadband service connection that they get for an unlimited amount of data. Well, when you use that service for an unlimited amount, uh, apparently Verizon cancels your account, as Consumer Affairs found out uh, when Verizon, with very little warning, canceled their account. And the letter that they received uh, from Verizon said, quote, We found that your usage over the past 30 days exceeded 10 gigabytes of data. This level of usage is so extraordinarily high that it could only have been obtained by activities such as streaming and or downloading movies and video prohibited by the terms of service. You know, and with the advent of websites such as YouTube or <clears throat> different streaming video sites, Google Video, uh, you know, MLB TV, uh, streaming video, and even watching sports online is very common. And many people pay extra money for the fast speeds of a broadband connection, and Verizon's quote-unquote unlimited broadband service is not very cheap. You know, it's 80 bucks a month if you don't have an account, uh, and even if you do, it's still 60 bucks a month. So that's about twice as much as you'd spend on a regular DSL or cable internet connection. So um, looking at their terms and service, they're really kind of go out of their way and explain sort of how it works but really it's in the 20 page terms and services terms sorry terms and conditions brochure um, it's explained once and that's it's sunk into you know this very very small print and it's a little bit deceiving so um, when you look at the brochure that that explains what they have this is what they say it says the data sessions for the unlimited national access or broadband access may be used with wireless devices for the following purposes. Number one, internet browsing. Number two, email. Number three, intranet access. And it also says services that cannot be used are uploading and downloading or streaming of music, music, 
videos or games um, with server devices or with host computer applications including to but not limited to web camera posts or broadcast automatic data feeds voice over IP automated machine-to-machine -machine connections and peer-to-peer -peer file sharing services so you can get your email and look at websites so when asked Verizon says that the service um, that stated as unlimited is not misleading and he says it's very clear in all the legal materials that we put out it's unlimited amounts of data for certain types of data and the letter from Verizon said that they had canceled uh, the consumeraffairs.com account because they uploaded and downloaded 10 gigabytes of video in the preceding 30 days um, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes so that you can take a look uh, for yourself at the story that came out from them and there's an access log that comes with the program um, that's used to connect uh, to the internet with the Verizon PC cards and it actually shows that over a period of uh, 365 days or a year that they actually use less than two gigabytes of data so it also says that our 10 gigabytes in 30 days was more than 40 times that of a typical user which uh, do the quick math the typical user would be about 8.3 megabytes uh, per day which is good for less than 12 seconds of constant downloading at the services average speed so you take a look at some of the the types of activities that are out there that the web savvy person or business person may use uh, you know for you know email and web surfing and then maybe you jump on you know a do a um, you know a quick iTunes session or some sort of voice over IP it's gonna get you nowhere that 8.3 megabytes is absolutely nothing so um, the they also on uh, consumer affairs they also said that uh, their their account was generally used for business travel and uh, they averaged well over 8.3 megabytes uh, for connections lasting longer than an hour and most of the time sent or sent and received over 10 megabytes so uh, but fortunately so far that uh, that account has not incurred any of the Verizon wrath um, so it's really interesting it's an interesting story go ahead and read it and that was just a little snippet of it you know I have the unlimited e-video service on my Motorola Q and I typically am in the neighborhood of one to two hundred megabytes a month so I'm well below that 10 gigabyte limit but you know if I were to use the phone regularly to tether to a computer which I don't um, but if I did there'd be very easy to you know get one to five gigabytes of data a month uh, just by simple web surfing and whatnot so uh, moving on to a couple of stories some information that came from the Engadget.com website uh, first was an iPod phone and they had a reader over at that site uh, that said that one of his co-workers friends was hired by Apple to do a photo shoot of what he called the quote sleekest sexiest phone he's ever seen and uh, talked a little bit about how it was um, you know supposed to have a launch date in August and you know quite honestly there's no confirmation that this phone even exists no photos have even been released yet so you know it's kinda of fun to dream about it but who knows if we're gonna see an iPod phone here in the future um, so have you picked up your thirty thousand dollar black diamond or sorry three hundred thousand dollar black diamond Vipin phone I'm guessing you probably are not planning on mortgaging your cell phone um, so if that's not going to work out for you they've come out with a less costly white pearl phone which is only fifteen hundred dollars which if you're someone who's in the market to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a cell phone that really is just a cell phone 
And why don't you just go ahead and get the $300,000 phone because it comes with diamonds and when you get the white pearl one it gets rid of the diamonds and you actually lose color. You're down to a white phone now. So anyway, but um, basically the, re the remainder of the specs on the unit remain the same and you actually even get a 2 gigabyte SD card still bundled in the box. So um, the, the, the phone, both white pearl and black diamond models are supposed to be out sometime in early 2007. And what about wearing an antenna? Uh, that's what one of the grad students over at Purdue University is thinking with the help of electro textiles basically putting metal into a lab coat she's determined that by wearing it on the outside uh, or wearing this coat uh, it brings in the signals and redirects them up to the phone which will uh, help yield fewer drop calls and also having to try and search for a place to get signal on your phone um, it's still a prototype and she's actually looking to extend the technology into sweaters and jackets and some different types of clothing that uh, are going to be a lot of fun to take when you go into the airport. No, honestly, it's my shirt. Yeah, right, right, going through the, me the metal detector. Anyway, um, so look for those. Those are uh, some interesting stories over there at Engadget.com. Check them out. They always have some of the, the latest and greatest news and a really neat sense of uh, writing. Um, so other than making calls, what do you use your cell phone for the most? Um, I lo was looking here this week in the local phoenixbusinessjournals.com website and they had that survey. So besides making phone calls on your phone, what do you use it for the most? And the number one answer, 40% uh, was nothing, meaning that you just use your phone for making phone calls and doing nothing else. Number two at 20% was text messaging. Number three at 15% was email. Number four at 13% was a contact list, basically using your phone as your address book. And then coming in at the three, four, five percent totals were uh, taking photos, internet access, and scheduling your day. Um, quite honestly, I can tell you, I actually use my phone for email more than anything else. Uh, I actually do more data sessions on the phone than I would do phone calls. It just works out better for me, but that was an interesting article or survey nonetheless. So how about some Wi-Fi on your phone? If uh, you're using you know, tons and tons of minutes on your cell phone plan, it'd be, I'm sure a lot of you would agree, it'd be pretty nice to be able to make free or cheap calls over wireless networks um, over the internet at different places from your home to your work to coffee shops, airports, wherever it is. You know, instead of relying on a standard cell phone network where phones are basically, you know, subject to uh, where the antennas are and how good the network is, you could set up your own Wi-Fi network and have what considered what I would consider a perfect network at home. Uh, story today in the New York Times, and I also have a link to this in the show notes about uh, Wi-Fi converging into your phone, and the phones, uh, which would be a very big potential uh, money saver for consumers would also potentially cause big problems for the cell phone companies you know and you take a look at what we have you know now out in the world with uh, Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi is actually pretty spotty as far as what you would consider for a blanket coverage um, it's probably more of a supplemental network currently than one that's going to replace it um, it's you know the devices that are getting released are going to be phones that actually look feel and act like cell phones uh, but will operate with a over a Wi-Fi network the technology really is kinda in the early stages right now and obviously there's some hurdles um, to get it you know into widespread usage but they've got some pretty big backings uh, to the technology companies like Cisco are helping out um, you know Skype commented in the story they said that uh, 
Um, four man phone manufacturers are planning on shipping Wi-Fi phones that are compatible with their service by the end of September. Uh, Netgear, a maker of big networking equipment, plans to charge about 300 bucks for their phone and also players like Belkin and Edgecore are also in the market. So what do the providers think? Well, Singular is actually planning on introducing some of these phones next year that are going to allow people to connect uh, through their home or the cellular network and switch between the towers when they're out and about. And then also T-Mobile is planning on testing the service that's going to allow subscribers to switch seamlessly between their connections on their cellular towers and their hotspots. So you can start a call in your home, hop into your car, it's going to switch back over to the T-Mobile network, drive to your local Starbucks. Once you get inside the Starbucks, if you have an account with them, switches back to the Starbucks network and it, it helps to alleviate some of the minutes and, and different costs and things like that. So, um, you know, T-Mobile is hoping to move a quite a bit of its mobile phone traffic off the network which will help to you know cheapen uh, what it costs per minute to use a serv the service with them and also help hopefully steal customers from some of their competitors and the landline companies such as AT&T. Um, so some of the main phone manufacturers that are going to be getting to the game you've got Nokia, Samsung, and Motorola which are going to be offering some phones that are going to be designed for both the traditional cellular and Wi-Fi networks and Samsung said that they actually um, have begun to sell uh, a dual mode Wi-Fi cellular phone over in Italy. Um, so that's some interesting stuff, kind of exciting to see some of the, the major players getting in there. So what are the issues with this? Well, you know, the RF or radio signals that are sent out from the standard, you know, mobile phone that we all carry today and the thousands of towers that are, you know, out there, um, they have the advantage of having an average range of about two miles and <clears throat> that's average because in a big city you're going to have more towers to handle you know the more capacity that's needed uh, and then also out into the country where you have a, a phone that's going to stretch a lot further than that because you have less people but anyway about average of two miles whereas you look at a Wi-Fi hotspot and they have a very limited range where you you're struggling to get a thousand feet with a connection so and also when you look at that you've got a Wi-Fi hotspot is usually operated um, by an individual or a smaller company and it's not organized and coordinated and you know tied into a larger network. They're coming, some of these master plan city networks are coming but uh, a lot in a lot of places they're not around yet. Another issue is that Wi-Fi networks operate over unlicensed radio spectrum which is essentially public space which means anyone can use it and that the frequencies can get congested and actually could lead to interference and drop calls. So um, you know the contrast is that major carriers are you know spending billions of dollars um, to you know license the, the slices of the radio spectrum in the 800 and 1900 you know frequency bands and they control the networks and maintain the quality and you know what's going on and if there's crowding and stuff like that and the other side of that is the Wi-Fi companies um, or individuals or whoever that's putting out a hotspot you know there's there's no licensing there's no regulation it's just people can put up wherever anytime so you know the carriers uh, they recognize that uh, this could be either you know helpful or burdensome to their networks so you know they're also seeing that uh, you know per minute charges from one carrier to another are falling across the industry and the loss of revenue was you know for people switching over to Wi-Fi networks uh, could be actually helpful because they could pull people away from other companies if they do offer this type of service so um, you know the primary the predominant 
carrier that's against this is Verizon. And it, no surprise to me that they're going to be complaining about it and that they're going to be saying, you know, no, we don't want to do this because, you know, someone who has a phone that they uh, uh, they get poor service at a hotspot, they're going to be complaining that Verizon is responsible for it. And quite honestly, this is going to be a technology, in my opinion, that's going to be adopted by some of the early adopters out there. And it really is not going to be an issue for me. Um, you know, if I somehow can get onto this service, I definitely am going to. Uh, I think it'd be pretty neat. And I'm going to understand that when I'm at a hotspot, my service is not good. It's not Verizon's fault. It's the fault of whoever's providing the hotspot. And to get that information out to people is where I think it's going to be uh, really important for them. So anyway, um, you know, just taking a look at that, something kind of interesting that's coming down the pike. Um, I hope that uh, some of the some of the other carriers, Sprint, Verizon, and, you know, maybe even Alltel can get in on that and, uh, you know, potentially give uh, the consumers a little bit additional incentive to go with them and to save a little bit of money when they're using their minutes. Uh, next story it was actually came from my local newspaper, the Arizona Republic, and the story talked about how having cellular phones lets people to be ruder than ever. Uh, and they talk about how people take their phones everywhere, use them wherever they want, and don't really care about anyone else. So, um, and in the story, they talked about a survey that was done by an online cellular a cellular retailer called Let'sTalk.com. And in uh, a survey of 2,100 people, they found that 21% of Americans said it's okay to talk on your cell phone when you're at dinner. 45% uh, said it's okay to carry on a conversation on a bus or a subway. And 66% people said it's okay to talk on the phone while standing in uh, a line at a grocery store or at checkout counters. So what can we do about it? And there's a list in the story that I'll also include um, in the show notes that talks about some of the do's and don'ts of things that we can do to help keep us from uh, being as, you know, as rude as what I consider some people are. Uh, so here's some do's. Put your phone on vibrate in any theater, church, library, funeral home, etc. Or just turn it off. It, there's nothing worse than being at a movie or, you know, at, uh, I, I don't know that I've ever been at a funeral home that I've heard one go off, but I'm sure it happens. Uh, make sure you turn it off. Tell people on the other end of your conversation that you're speaking on a cell phone and that you've got to go. Um, if it's an emergency call, you know, obviously sometimes it's important to take a call, but take it outside. Don't be, you know, around where other people can hear you. You know, if you must take a call, just make sure that you're, you're being, um, uh, considerate to the other people that are around. And then remember that people can probably hear you and keep all confidential matters confident. You know, don't talk about it out in public. If you really have something that you don't want people to hear, you know, take it somewhere like your house or your car when there's no one around. Uh, some of the don'ts, don't multitask by calling people while you're shopping or banking. You know, don't dial while you're driving and you're also, you know, smoking a cigarette or playing on the radio, uh, passing someone else. Don't hold the front of you, uh, the phone in front of you when you speak into it. You can tend to talk a little bit louder. Uh, don't answer the phone when speaking to someone in person unless it's an emergency. I find this all the time in business where you're talking to someone and uh, the phone rings and they answer it and you really can't say a lot to them because it you know, could be a client or someone uh, important. And then they go, hi, honey, how you doing? Yeah, I'll pick up bread on the way home. And, yeah, you know, that's really very, very rude. So, um, you know, one thing for me, I like to have my phone on vibrate as much as possible, especially when I'm out and about. Um, I don't like to inconvenience people by letting them listen to my conversations because, quite honestly, they really don't care what I have to say. And uh, so, anyway, my little two cents there about uh, 
the whole world getting ruder by talking on cell phones. Um, a little uh, little interesting review that I did here on a group, uh, or excuse me, a website called Antenna Search. The website is www.antennasearch.com, and this is how it works. You go to the site, <coughs> you type in an address, it can be your home, your work, or pretty much anywhere, and then you hit search. And the site looks like it pulls information from various databases, and so in about one to three minutes, it comes back with a number of different uh, tower structures um, the number of outstanding applications for tower structures and the number of antenna locations uh, that are found within the area. And it looks like the default setting is a four mile radius. So in the, the four miles in the vicinity of my house, which is in, in Phoenix, I have 58 towers, two applications for new towers, and 671 antennas. So uh, a ton of stuff that's located around me. So anyway, so what you do, um, you click on the results. And once you click on those, those results, it brings up um, a Google map. And on that Google map, you have a picture of a little house that's in the middle. And uh, that's the, the address that you typed in. And then it shows a circle, which is the four mile radius around your house. And then little icons that are located on the map that show each of the towers or the different antennas depending on which map that you're you're looking at so you can actually take a look and click on each of those those towers and it brings up a satellite image of where it's located <coughs> excuse me all the information um, on the tower itself you know who it's um, who it's registered to with the the contact information of that person it's really really neat so um, I, I really thought it was a neat site and I have to thank Jerry over at Mobility Today for uh, cluing me into this site and uh, one, one thing I did find out about it is that the results are somewhat accurate but they seem to be a little bit dated uh, I did a search for uh, my place of employment at my office and you know I know that at our at the office we happen to have uh, multiple antennas located on our physical building structure and what I found that out of the, the Cricket, Verizon, T-Mobile, Altel, and Singular antennas on the building, that only Verizon is listed on there. So, you know, nonetheless, it's still a, a fun way to waste a few minutes of your time. I spent about a half hour on there, you know, typing in multiple addresses where I knew towers were located and, you know, seeing what's around my house and stuff like that. So, uh, kind of fun to play with. And uh, antennasearch.com, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. So moving on to some questions. Uh, in the, the last show, I answered some questions um, and actually have some follow-up questions from a few of the people. Uh, question, another one from Patrick, is uh, I'll read his question. Thanks for reading my email. Based on what you said, does the Motorola Q not have the push email capability like the BlackBerry, unless one were to use the wireless sync solutions that you described? How does how do you like the multimedia features on the queue and what kind of video formats does it play? I really would like to be able to run um, MPEGs and MP4s on it and also use the flash drive like my iPod. Is that possible? Well, Patrick, I already uh, answered your question, but I'm going to go over it again because I think it's a really good one. Um, you are correct in the push email functionality that the queue does not have uh, what's called the AKU2 features. And AKU2 is what gives uh, the device the capability of getting the push email. Uh, from someone running Exchange Server 2003 uh, with the Service Pack 2 upgrade. 
So, um, but quite honestly, it's something that I definitely think Verizon within the next four to six months will release. I think they have to release a new ROM for the device to keep it uh, up to date with the, the new ones that are going to be coming out. So, uh, and it's just going to be a software update, something that you can probably will be able to download. They've done it for the, the 6700 and also for the Trio 700W. So you got to figure they're going to do it for the, the Motorola Q as well. So for the time being, you either have to use the ActiveSync, um, you know, uh, SMS trigger or the wireless sync that in, that's included uh, with with the uh, the package that you get on the queue. So, um, as far as the multimedia capabilities, I think they're decent. You know, I listen to a lot of music on it, uh, quite a few podcasts, and uh, especially over Bluetooth. I love my Bluetooth head uh, headphones. I use them at the gym all the time. And uh, even while driving, I'll download a bunch of podcasts onto the device, and we'll just listen to them through uh, my regular Bluetooth headphone or headset. Uh, only one ear is obstructed, so it's uh, perfectly legal to do that. And uh, I don't li do too much with video, um, I, but I do know it does support the uh, the H.263 MPEG-4 uh, AAC Windows. Um, uh, WMV files, stuff like that. So uh, it does support quite a bit of the format, so you should be uh, just fine with that if you're looking to uh, hop on and get a queue uh, for, for its video capabilities. As for a flash device, you know, there there are ways that you can do it. Um, the way that I, I do it is with ActiveSync, and the way the way that you do it is when you plug in your computer and sync it through ActiveSync, it creates a folder in your My Computer listing called Mobile Device, which allows you to transfer files back and forth from the mini SD card or internal memory, whichever you want. Uh, just keep in mind that you're using basically an intermediary software uh, with the ActiveSync, and so it's kind of a nice way to do it, but it's not quite as nice as some of the ways you can do it with the iPod. So, and I'm, I'm guessing there are some other ways you can do it, but that's how I do it. It also converts files when you're switching them back and forth, depending on what it is. Um, some of these issues are taken care of with the new uh, Vista, um, you know, what they're using on Microsoft Vista to keep their... Uh, to transfer stuff back and forth from a mobile device to the actual uh, computer itself. So um, it's possible. I'm not sure that, uh, that that's going to be what you're looking for, but there's the answers to those questions. So I talked to Chris um, about Chris's questions last time as well, and he's got another one. And his question is, in the U.S., I see that a lot of your phones seem to have a large aerial sticking out of them, like the Trios and the XV6700. Chris, by the way, is from the U.K., so... Um, anyway, um, I've seen this um, in the movies where they have a telescopic type of aerial where you extend uh, when the phone rings. In the UK, we have never had these in a long time anyway, and I just wondered what the reason was for these. Well, Chris, this is another good question, and many people probably don't realize the reason why we have these here. Um, the only phones that in the U.S. that actually have external extendable antennas were the old analog devices that came out in the 80s through the early 90s, and then moving into the CDMA phone providers like Verizon and Sprint and Altel, some of the other regional providers that use CDMA. Uh, those were the only ones that had the extendable external antennas. So Singular and T-Mobile did have some phones that uh, what they what the industry calls stubby antennas on them, but they weren't extendable. Uh, you take a look at some of the earlier Nokia models. They had the little uh, about three-quarter inch stub on them that um, that allowed to help with cell phone reception. So. 
Um, anyway, why do they do it? Well, there was a time when the retractable antennas made a, a big difference in how strong a wireless signal uh, was received by a phone. You think back to the old analog signals where um, it was very, very common to have a lot of static, and having even that extra six inches on the f uh, on the antenna gave you a, a big a big difference in the quality of the call. So, but the technology honestly is caught up with the times, and so internal antennas pretty much now offer just as much uh, signal boost as um, you know how things used to be. Uh, and you know, phones are sturdier now that you have the antenna built in inside. You can't damage them as easy. So. Anyway, it kind of answers your question there. Um, that's pretty much how that worked. You know, there's probably some um, some information, some answers as to the you know the technology side of what an external extendable antenna will do. But um, kind of taking a look at just some of the you know we're we're moving away from that, and the technology is catching up with how the phones are going. So. Uh, question from Bill in Hawaii. He says, Aloha. I made the mistake of leaving Sprint after nine years, and I'm now stuck with an IPAC 6515A, which I loved. However, I've since sold my MPX uh, 220, and which was also a beautiful phone. So I need to know, is there any way that I can get my IPAC 6515 unlocked so I can use it with T-Mobile? Um, thanks, Bill in Honolulu. Well, Bill, I'm assuming since you have the 6515 and you're saying that it's locked that you did purchase it from Singular. And my first question is, are you still a customer of Singular? If you are and your account is in good standing, they'll sometimes help you to unlock the device. And one of the things that uh, you may may help you out is when you when you give them a call, the thing to tell them is that you want to travel overseas and you're going to be over there for a while and you want to use a prepaid SIM card while you're over there. So, and oftentimes, if you still have an account, it's in good standing, they'll take care of you, they'll send you the information, and you'll be on your way with an unlocked device. Um, if you aren't a singular customer anymore, I'll suggest that you do some Google searching uh, for unlocking services um, that are out there. The problem with those is, is that typically they're going to charge you to do so. Also, uh, three really good sites that you can do some searching for in their forums uh, that I frequent quite a bit are uh, www.mobilitytoday.com wirelessadvisor.com and howardforums.com and I'll put those links in the show notes as well but just keep in mind that you, if you're going to spend money to have a device unlocked make sure you do it from someone who's reputable uh, ask some questions try and figure out from people who have unlocked phones through these these people before and that's really going to help you out there uh, making sure that you're not just sending some money to someone who's not going to do what they're telling you they're going to do uh, question from Jerry. Jerry is a good friend of mine from uh, Mobility Today. He's JN Gold over on that site. And he says, hey, Mick, uh, question for you. Are UMTS phones, i.e. the Titan, capable of receiving voice and data at the same time? If so, is it the same for eVDO devices as well? He says, I think the older GSM Edge devices are Class II devices and that while receiving data, uh, voice calls are pushed to voicemail. Thanks. It's a great question, and uh, so here's how it goes. Uh, the UMTS devices, and uh, HSDPA for that matter, are capable of actually a voice and a data session at the same time. EVDO is not. The only thing that EVDO really does that's okay in this regard is that you can be in the middle of a data session, you know, mid-data transfer, and a voice call will come in, and the phone will actually pause the data session, allow the call to come through, 
and then when you're done with your voice call it will go back to your data session. This happens to me all the time. Um, there have been a lot of times where I'll be in the middle of downloading email and happen to be looking at the phone while the data is actually moving back and forth and the call comes in. So that's pretty neat. Um, UTMS takes it up a little bit um, you know, to the next step and allows you to keep the data session going while the voice call initiates. So it's a pretty nice feature. So you take a look at uh, you know one technology versus the other. Um, you know I've tried to uh, do a data session while I'm on the middle of a phone call and it doesn't work. So I can tell you you, you can't do both at the same time. But the, the newer uh, GSM UMTS uh, data you will be able to do that. So anyway thank you very much Jerry for sending uh, me that question. That's a, a very good one uh, that I'm sure a lot of people are interested in. So. Uh, that's about all the cell phone stuff that I have to talk about today. Uh, we're running into about uh, 31 minutes here. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for downloading the episode. And uh, check back with me midweek, and I'm going to do be doing another episode probably on Wednesday. So until next time, keep those batteries charged. Take care. <laughs>